Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. breakthrough in this month and a half now because it's such a big subject and you can have breakthrough in many areas of your life and still not be satisfied I mean you could get breakthrough in your finances and just be able to pay all your bills and you know all this is going on but if if something like that happened in our nation where suddenly you had nothing left that everything was stripped from you in a moment where would you be like where would you be When all you've got left is what's in here, would you still stand? Would you still be able to stand? So this morning I want to talk to you about breakthrough in relationships. Because I think at the end of the day, relationships are the most important thing that we have. Look at the person next to you and say, you're important to me. More important than me paying my mortgage. Because it's amazing how many people have said to me, you know, looking at the things that are going on in Iraq and what's happening, how suddenly the things that I used to think are important aren't important anymore. Yeah. Phil says first world problems. (laughs) You know, they're not so important anymore. And I think above all else that, that we in these days need to keep within ourselves so in touch with God that number one if anything happens like that here we're prepared in here and number two we have the capacity and the ability to make a difference through our prayers through our giving through our generosity through our standing in the gap instead of just going oh well I'm more interested in you know my breakthrough you know it's a much bigger picture, isn't it, when we see what's been going on and it brings everything back to earth, uh, back to the reality of it. So let me talk to you this morning about relationships and we're going to go to Genesis to do that. Excuse my voice, got a bit of a chesty thing going on, but hopefully I'll get through in Jesus' name. Amen? I just look, I sound a little bit sexy this morning, so Phil would say. <clears throat> um, so Genesis 3, we're going to read there. And a one, one to 13, and then we're going to go 20 to 24. So let's look at the beginning. The best way to understand relationship is to go back to the source, go back to the beginning, and just really look at how this relationship is supposed to be and how we're supposed to outwork this. So it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than all the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from the tree that is in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and she was also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. 
And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened. Everyone say their eyes were opened. And they realised they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord, as he, Lord God, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. I think that still goes on today. Um, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate that. And Adam named his wife Eve, this is verse 20, because she would become the mother of all living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Knowing good and evil. They must not be allowed to, he, uh, he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat it and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground for which he had been taken. And after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim, it's actually a huge angel, and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the Tree of Life. You see this picture up here? This is a pretty corny picture, but it's an idea of the Garden of Eden. Yeah, it's so corny, I know. But that's all I could find, sorry. <laughs> it's, not my, um, it's not my forte graphic up. But you can see there, there they are. They're with God in the garden. Everything's fine. With God in the garden. And there's something that you need to know. Before the fall, Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. You know, he wasn't like up there talking to them. He was with them in the garden. They walked together. They spoke together. He says that he came down in the cool of the day and just walked around with them and talked with them. And that they, they were, the Bible says, naked. Now, if you look at the interpretation of the word naked, what that really means is that, that they were physically, spiritually, and emotionally naked before God and before each other. Let me say that again. Now, physically spiritually and emotionally naked before God and before each other. There was nothing that separated them. There was no walls. There was no stuff. There was no hiding. But we know when we read this, this uh, story that we've just read then, that when they sinned and they disobeyed God, what was the first thing that happened? They went into hiding. They realized they were naked. They felt vulnerable in their nakedness, not in their physical nakedness alone, but in their physical, emotional, and spiritual nakedness, they started to withdraw. They started to hide. They started to not just sow fig leaves over their bodies, but fig leaves came over their hearts. Fig leaves came over their personalities, and they began to hide. You know, since then, mankind has been hiding under those fig leaves because now he sees through eyes that are different to the eyes that we were supposed to see from. The eyes we were supposed to see from were not supposed to see evil. 
They were not supposed to see evil in each other. They were not supposed to see evil in in ourselves. They were not supposed to see the things, the images that you're seeing on Facebook. Now, no human being was ever supposed to see those things. But they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and therefore they had the capacity now to see good and evil. They had the capacity, their eyes, the Bible says their eyes were opened. And they began to hide. They were, they were sent out from the garden because God knew that if they lived forever, can you imagine if we had eternal life right now on earth with the evil that we have, the evil that we're seeing, the evil that is around us, if this was forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And God in his graciousness had to put an end to that. He had to, he had to put a time frame to that and say, okay, well, we, we're going to work this out, this evil out of them. We're going to work it out of them. Right. And we're going to put a time frame on it because so that, that, that we can then have a people who, again, through the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus and the finished work of the cross, can again, listen to me, come back into the garden. You see, there was a garden. And this is where we were innocent. This is where our eyes had not been open to evil. This is where we are innocent in this garden with God, transparent, physically, spiritually, emotionally transparent before God. This is where we're innocent. But when we sinned, God had to put an angel by the door, by the gate of that garden, and have a sword that says, you can't enter. Because within there was the tree of life. And if we ate of the tree of life, we would live forever and then we'd be a mess. But through the finished work of Jesus Christ, Jesus separated the separation between the garden and us was removed. The angel by the garden was removed. The sword that was stopping you entering in was taken away. And you were able to re-enter innocence. You were able to re-enter a place where your eyes changed, where the way you looked at things changed. You know, the most incredible thing that we have is a word called intimacy. But if you break that word intimacy down, have you got that? Did we get that? We didn't get it? Okay. If you break that word down, it says, into me you see. Intimacy. Into me you see. See, original, the original plan was that we would stand before God. We were created first and foremost to be loved by God. First and foremost, we were created to be loved by God. We weren't created to love each other originally. We were created to love God and for him to love us. And so ultimately we were to stand before God in that garden of innocence where our eyes had not been opened yet to evil. Stand before Almighty God and allow God into me, you see. Allow God to look straight into us 
where we were physically, spiritually, and emotionally transparent before our God, where there was nothing, no walls, nothing to separate us, that, our, that His eyes looked into us. And then with the same eyes, the same eyes of into me, you see, we looked back at God and we looked into His face and we're able to intimately look into the one who we were created in the image of. You know, the Bible says now you look in a mirror and you see in a blurred vision what it's really like, what you're really like. But can you imagine for a minute if the mirror that you had in front of you was actually God? That God stood in front of you and he became your mirror and then the reflection of what you saw was God looking at you, not just looking at you, but looking into me, you see. Looking into your eyes and looking deep into your being and finding you. And you looking into the face of the one who you are made in the image of and realizing this is who I am. This is who I am. This is, my, this is where identity is found. This is where we are found. That when all else falls away, when everything else can be taken from us, but if we've learned to stand in front of the mirror of God and see Him as He is and see ourselves as a reflection of God, made in the image of God, as a reflection of God, the Bible says, you become like that which you behold. As you behold God, you become like Him. We become more like Him. So what happens? When we behold God, our eyes begin to change. Our eyes that were open to evil, our eyes that had seen so much, begin to be purified. Our eyes begin to be washed. Our eyes begin to be clean. And, we, and our innocence is restored in our heart of hearts. No matter what's going on inside of us, we remain innocent in our heart of hearts because we've looked into the eyes of God and found ourselves in His face, in His beauty, in His innocence. When He stares inside of you. You know, many people go to church a lot. They do Christianity a lot. They might read their Bible. They might even pray a lot. But when's the last time you've stood before God? Face to face. There's a song I think Beth will sing and say, I'm locking eyes with the one who loves me. I'm locking eyes. When's the last time you locked eyes? When's the last time you just stopped and stood before the presence of the all-consuming love of God? and presented yourself without walls, physically, spiritually, and emotionally naked before God. Say, Lord, I know that you love me. I know that you love me with all my faults, with all my stuff. He sees all that anyway. 
But when you really look into the eyes of God, you would see the eyes of love penetrating every fiber of your being, looking beyond your mistakes and your faults, looking beyond the very things that you think keep you separated from God, but his son has paid the price for that. It is under the blood. When, when God looks at you, he sees his son. He sees the finished work of the cross. He sees his child that he longs to interact with, to walk in the garden with again and to spend time with. See, Christianity just isn't about a book of rules. Christianity is about relationship. That's why they're all getting it wrong over there in the Middle East. They've got it wrong. You know, I showed an incredible video last Sunday night. And if you weren't here, you need to listen to that preach last Sunday night. If you're confused about the Middle East, what's going on, especially if there's hatred welling up inside of you. Because the most important thing we need to do is to look with these same eyes that we look at God with, into me you see, and then we need to turn to people who are around us and we need to use those same eyes when we look at them. We can't use the eyes that have been opened to evil because if we use those, we'll see evil wherever we look. Amen? So the scripture that says, <clears throat> Luke 10, 27 says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the commands, all the commands are being fulfilled in these three things. Love God, love each other, love yourself. So once we've looked into the eyes of God and we've seen the eyes of God looking back at us and we find that when he looks at us, if we dare to be transparent with him, if we dare to come before him and say, into me, God, you see, intimacy, into me, you see, we look back at him with the same eyes, looking into God, right into his eyes, into his heart. Then with those same eyes, we come out of the garden we walk out of the garden, but the garden goes with us. The garden goes with us. And we walk around in the garden of Eden again with eyes that see each other in our relationships through the same eyes that have looked at us. I remember when when uh, Phil first came into my life, and I'll show you a picture of him, what he looked like. There he was. Hey, that is you. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you were a surfer, you would have thought he was hot, but I didn't. I wasn't a surfer. I didn't think he was hot. I thought he needed a haircut. And, you know, I, this is me. And... And I remember, you know, he was in our house and I just had an encounter with Jesus Christ and I'd come back from overseas in the, um, in the entertainment business, singing, dancing and doing big shows and 
come to the end of myself, had an encounter with Jesus Christ. I'd had a time where Jesus Christ had literally looked into my eyes and called me to salvation himself. And I came back to my mother's house to try and find myself, walked away from everything and came back and I'm in this place in my mother's house. And this guy, can I, can you leave that up there? This hairy guy walked in. And, I, and, you know, and he's, he's trying to get my attention, of course. And he had been, he'd been trying to get my attention for years. We went to the same primary school, the same high school. He reckons that he saw me getting on buses going to work with all my stage makeup on. He'd just go, <clears throat> you know, I like it. You know, never the twain shall meet. But, um, but here we are. He's had an encounter with God. He's been stripped of everything. I've had an encounter with Jesus. I've been stripped of everything. It's, it's just like we're in this raw place. I mean, the, we're both in this place of total transparency, total brokenness. And then he walks into my mother's house. And I was sort of talking to him a little bit, you know, thinking he's sweet. He's, he was very sweet. And then one day my mum comes, because he was staying at my mum's house with my brother. And my mum came down. She said, um, what do you think of Phil? You know, because she'd seen me, like, have a lot of bad times. And I'm going, are you kidding? Have you seen him? Like, he's nothing that I would look at. <laughs> really. I mean, I've dated sheiks, I've, you know, you know, like, movie stars, you know. And here I am sitting in Canley Heights in the western suburbs of Australia in my mum's house kitchen table with my mum and she's saying have you looked at this surfy hairy person I said are you kidding mum she said no you're not listening to me have you looked into his eyes and I said well I've had a glance she said do yourself a favour look into his eyes and so we were sitting there having breakfast this morning and I just had a good look and it shocked me because in his eyes when I looked into him when into me you see when I looked past the outer layers of what he was presenting and looked in I actually found myself and I actually saw Jesus in his eyes and it was like in his eyes, I found me, I found Jesus. Now, you, you think for a minute. If I would have just been looking with ordinary eyes, I might have missed out on my soulmate for the rest of my life, the man that I'm going to be with until the day I die, the day he dies, because he's going to die first. So. <laughs> it's, it's a deal, all right? No, no, maybe I'll go first. It'd be harder to stay here without you. Yeah. Okay, I'll change that. But I could have missed it. You see, now over the years, maybe what he's presented to me in our marriage has not been everything I've wanted or needed. But every time I find myself looking at him as my sole source of everything I need, I quickly pull myself back. Remember the garden, Julie. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Then love him. No human being is going to meet every need that you have. There's none. No one. There's no one. There's no one that can. No one can. And the reason I think marriages fail so much today, relationships break down so much today, is because we're constantly needy. We're needy. We're needy. You need to meet all my needs. You don't make me feel loved. You don't make me feel beautiful. You don't make me feel strong enough. You don't make me feel successful. Actually, it's never the way it's supposed to be. You know, whenever we feel like we're having some sort of relationship conflict, yes, everyone has them. We're human. We often will look at each other and say, we need, we need to pray. And he'll go to his prayer place, which is usually up a mountain somewhere. And I'll go to my prayer place and I'll put my worship music on and I'll stand, we will both stand individually before God. And we'll say, into me you see. Into me you see. Meet my every need, God. Fill me up. God, I give you everything that I am, God. My insecurities, my hormones, everything. I give them to you. Meet all my needs. And all the men that have lived with um, menopausal women are saying, thank you, Jesus, with him. Because then when we come back together... I'm going to be looking at him with eyes that have been in the garden. Not eyes that have been open to good and evil. Not eyes that are going to be looking to him to meet my every need. This is where a relationship is so strong. Even in our relationships, just in friendships. You know, sometimes there's so much strain put on a friendship because it's like, you need to be there for me. You need to be everything for me. You need to meet all my needs. Even with our children, sometimes our children, we think that they're going to, you know, we were like that. We were just almost, we almost idol worshipped our kids. Like it was almost like my children are everything. You know, they fill my life. But listen, one day this man came up to me. It's Fred Albright. He's in heaven now. Very wise man of God. And he said to me, you know, you, you and Phil, you spend too much time with your kids. I said, what? We are, we are the golden family. Dare you say that? And she says, you spend too much time with your kids. He said, one day your kids are going to be gone and you won't know each other. Right. And I thought, oh, well, that's years away. I mean, that's years and years and years away. That's forever away. And the next minute we're here. It's like that. And I took that man's advice and we started to have date nights and we started to have time together and started to build into our relationship because our kids were everything to us and they were taking the place even of God. You see, we can't draw from any other human being or any other relationship the needs that we have that we can only draw from God. Amen? And then the last thing it says... It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Into me you see with God. Into me you see. Into me you see. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Into me you see. Into me you see. 
I just want to I just want to go there for a minute. It's so important when you look at people to look in and not judge them by what you see. Look in and see. Why are they acting the way? Ask the question, why did you act that way? What's going on inside you? Inside every human being, there's a wall that's going on and they might just give a bit of their war to you. But that's not so you can give them more war. That's so that you can bring peace to their war. So that you can look past the way they've reacted and look into them. Look in their eyes. Look into them. Say, who are you? What's going on? Sometimes the the loudest people are the people that need the help the most. Sometimes the most cruel people, the most ugly people are the people that are yearning to be loved more than anyone else. And instead of getting angry at the way they act or, you know, writing them off or taking them off your Facebook page, sin. (laughs) Why don't you just say, God, show me their heart. What's going on? How do you want me to pray for that person? It's interaction through relationship, through the garden, from the garden perspective out, looking at other people through that way. Now, the last thing it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Love your neighbour as you love yourself. It's an amazing thing when we've stood before God and we have this place where we're emotionally, physically and spiritually naked before Him. And that's not easy, by the way. It's not just easy. Okay, this is it. Today, I'm going to be emotionally, physically, spiritually naked before God. Here I am. You know, it's, that, it's a process. You know, it's a process. It's, it's a taking off of garments. It's a taking off of mindsets. It's a renewal of the mind. It's a healing of the heart. It's a process where we're gradually, you know, we're coming from a place of hiding to just a peak. And, and then we're maybe just a wave, you know, and, and then we're gradually coming out. We're coming out of hiding as we start to realise that the one who looks at me is not judging me. The one who looks into me is not, you know, finding fault with me. The one who, who's looking at me is drawing me out. He's a drawing. He's drawing you out. And so the very last thing is to love yourself. You know, self-hatred is one of the biggest walls we have. It's the very thing that causes people to go into darkness and to, to commit suicide. Because they're just so trapped in this, I'll never be good enough for anyone, no matter what I do. It's performance-based life, but inside I'm dying. There's no greater thing that you can have than to love yourself. And you can't love yourself by the next diet, the next self-help, the next... You know what I mean? Positive, some positive thinking book that you just, I'm going to just say this every day until I like myself. Screaming into the mirror, wah! You know, you haven't tried, I have. He hasn't tried that. I've screamed into the mirror many times. And I'm sure all the teenagers in the room would say that they have as soon as that first zit appears. But, you know, to stand before God in that place of transparency, in that place to be physically, spiritually, emotionally transparent before God. 
slowly coming to him where it's almost like the, the layers of an onion being peeled off. Where we can just, you know, the stuff is being taken off and we are being revealed to him. When we can look at him in the face and see that he is actually the mirror that we look at, not ourselves. That he is actually the mirror that should be before us, not ourselves. That we are actually made in the image of God, a reflection of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the mighty God. That when you criticize yourself, you're actually criticizing the image of God. When you're telling that mirror, I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm ugly, you're actually criticizing the creator who made you. You're actually telling you didn't do a good enough job with me. But when we stand in front of the right mirror, which is the image of God, We present ourselves just as we are. We discover that in his reflection, we are actually perfection. When we behold the one who is perfection, we become perfection. You see, at the end of the day, if you lose everything, If you lost everything right now, if things happen to us in this nation that have happened in other nations of the earth, and right now they said, right, all the Christians, we're taking everything they own, all their money, we're banishing them out of Australia. As you're running, as you're hiding, as you're coming to terms with this, I'm not saying it's going to happen. Don't say that. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I think we're in the safest place in the world. Thank you, Jesus, that. Thank you, Jesus, that we're here. I think we're, we're the country that's going to start revival, that's going to spread right over there. Because I reckon he set us apart and put us in an island for a purpose. I, I think he has. I think he has. So I'm not saying that. But what if something did happen where you lost everything? If you hadn't been standing before him, then really you'd have nothing. So you just have Christianity as something that you talk about and something that you maybe go to church on Sundays and read your Bible, but do you have relationship? The greatest breakthrough you can have is a breakthrough of relationship with Him, a breakthrough of relationship with each other, and the breakthrough of relationship with yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbour as you love yourself. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Father, this morning we pray. We pray, just as the band come, we pray over all relationships. Just lift your hands towards God right now. We ask you, Lord, that you would teach us to stand before you in transparency, both physically, spiritually, and emotionally naked before you. That we be able to stand before one another and look through the eyes into me, you see. And that we be able to stand before God 
and be able to see our own hearts as perfect in His eyes. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Just lift that up. Come on, let's sing this song. We're just going to sing this song. hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.